big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello, and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And welcome to this episode on illness and healing. First of all, should we have a little chat? How are you, lovely Lael? I am, I am great, Marion. I am in uh, action mode right now. I have uh, this first half of the year, I was in that whole waiting and moving thing and felt like I wasn't achieving anything. And now I feel like I'm I'm catching up with all the stuff. There's lots of, yeah, I've been doing lots of talks out there in the world and lots of new projects happening, which feels really good. And it's been a beautiful reminder to just trust timing of things you know in my life it's been I'm always like okay I'm ready to go and make things happen and uh it's been a good reminder to just trust the timing you know sometimes we have to go slow sometimes that's wisdom for us and and then when it's ready to happen and land it does so it's been um it's been a good reminder for me what about you my friend how are you doing yes as you know that I have a very big example of trusting the timing that my first children's books coming out which I wanted to publish about 18 years ago but now my daughter's editing it not editing she's editing she's illustrating it so that would not have happened back then so that's a really deep trusting the time and I feel really Mm. excited about it and uh, lots of lovely other things our book is also coming back from the editor this weekend the book that uh, we could have written 10 books in this time really going to be worth the wait (laughs) I know that has been the lesson in trust which is funny because it's it's just been really random things that has held it up but as we keep talking about going actually we just have to trust that it'll come out at exactly the right time when it's ready so yes Yes. that lovely word trust which is just you know is the epitome of parenting isn't it is trust is just you know where we sit and which is a beautiful segue into our topic today which is about illness and healing and um and elements of trusting the body and trusting our kids feelings and and the messages that are are connected to it so where would you like to start talking about this topic marion so we'd like to start with a little um, caveat. I don't know what the word is, but we, we would like to say, of course, always where parenting is based on listening to children's needs as well as their feelings. So if at all you are concerned about your child's health, if maybe they're crying or they're, there's a sudden high pitch crying or you're just concerned about them, please uh, go to your medical professional, whoever it is that, that you go to, please trust yourself around this. I have heard once or twice, very, very rarely, that um, parents have thought, oh, my child just needs to cry. And actually there was something that, that was happening for them physically. So of course we always want to say, please, um, please trust yourselves. Mm. Can I just say one thing? Yes. One of the best bits of advice I got when my son was a baby and it was from a friend of ours who's a pediatrician. And I was doing that first time mother of like, how am I going to know if he's sick and what's going to be wrong? And and he gave me this advice, which I've used, you know, through all the years. And he he said to me, look, if your child is still protesting, if they're still crying and getting upset and they're still kind of, even if they've got a fever or something like that and they're protesting and even if they're, they're still willing to drink a little bit, they're probably not that sick. It's when they're really quiet and listless and there's no protest that you're like, oh, there's something going on. And that I've held that through through all my years of mothering, you know, even when my kids were like early teens or something like that and they run well and if they were complaining lots, I was like, okay, you run well, but, you know, you're probably not that bad unwell. So 
that's always been a really good thing. And another great tip I've had in, in learning to trust myself is just sometimes going, okay, in half an hour, is it the same? Is it different? Is it worse? Is it better? And I'm just kind of giving myself those timelines sometimes to just be like, okay, and then I'll move. And when when in doubt, you know, go and go and you know follow your gut because there's there's no harm in actually saying there's something I feel like there's something off here. We have to trust our gut as parents, don't we? When we feel like something's going on with our kitty. So it's really, really important to learn to lean into that. Oh, so important. Now, this is actually the second take of this uh, podcast, so we're just going on the same track. I remember what I said next, Lau, was uh, that I really experienced when my children were little in particular, that I could really tell if they had some accumulated feelings. And when those feelings were bubbling up and bubbling up, that would be the time that they would tend to get sick. Whereas if they were doing lots of crying, always with our loving support, then um, they would tend to be not likely to get sick back then. Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense if we think about it from an aware parenting perspective, because when children are crying with us, all children have feelings, all babies have feelings, however much we aim to meet their needs. But when they're crying, they're not only expressing those feelings and having those feelings heard, but they're releasing stress hormones from their body. Like, so if they're some ch- children, when they're crying, they're sweating. So the, the, the tears have um uh, appear to have stress hormones in them so all these ways that the body is releasing stress when crying and raging is happening and including the physical tension you know children often cry in really big lots of big movements and again that's releasing physical tension so there are all these ways that otherwise that gets stored and stored and stored and stored and we know that the body and the feelings and the mind are all interconnected they're not separate as we used to think in the whole mechanistic perspective and they do all influence each other and I know you're going to talk about some research yeah well I think it's it's amazing actually when we kind of well, what I love actually over over the last few years has, has been a keen interest of mine is looking at the correlation between what happens when we don't express our feelings and how that can get stored in our body and how it can often turn into illness. So the work of Dr. Gabo Mate and many others who have done a lot of research around this, showing that, you know, the traumas that we carry, that repressed feelings and emotions can, you know, be turned into anti-inflammatory, you know, um, illnesses it can inflammatory illnesses it can turn into things like cancers and stuff like that that can present from the accumulated pains and hurts that we carry now i'm not a doctor and i'm not versed enough to go into the why behind that but if you are curious about that go and have a look at some of the work out there uh, talking about the correlation between the body and you know feelings and emotions and what happens when we hold on to them and then how that can be presented in in our world and you know, I was very blessed that my mum from a very young age often had an understanding around that and would often, when we get sick, would say to us, what do you think your body's telling you? Is there anything you need to talk about? Is there anything you need to let go of? And so I do have that as a bit of a strong imprint from when I was younger. And I still use that now. And I often, and then I often would do that with my children as well. I would say to them, if they were unwell, is there anything that you need to say? Was there any big feelings there that are stuck, you know, because whether my daughter had tonsillitis or something was stuck in her, you know, just in that part of her body or whatever was going on, I'd often really give them the opportunity to express whatever was sitting there so that it, nothing was being held in the body. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, our bodies are these beautiful barometers of our lives. And when we 
we stuff our feelings down or we have big traumas or we, we feel in a state of shock, then our body's not working in its optimal state at all. And we know that that, you know, lowers our immune system and can create more illness. We know that fear has an impact on our immune systems. You know, so there's so much more research, I think, that's really important to investigate out there around health and well-being. And, and that really does take into account how we feel emotionally. And that's why I guess I know we both love aware parenting so much is that what we're doing is giving our children the opportunity to express themselves so they don't have to carry it in their bodies. I mean, that's the goal here, that there is free as they can be to be the best versions of themselves and it isn't stored and held in their bodies. Mm, and one of the wisdoms of the body, isn't it, is that just like when we're tired, we're less able to suppress feelings, that when we're sick, we're also less able to suppress feelings. So we could almost see that as actually, again, a natural part of the, our beautiful bodies and the, our systems that actually perhaps that's one of the reasons why so that we actually get to to cry and to express all the feelings that have built up and I know for myself I was I had some physical symptoms which I think I mentioned before for a couple of weeks ago and it really 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 invited me to really slow down and get really present and you know, I'm grateful for all the practices and processes I have in my Marian method work to to really really deeply listen to what the sensations were in my body and how they related to past hurts and past feelings and um, it, so often and I know that's not often the way when we are parents of small children I want to add to that that part that if you've got small kids and you are sick that is one of the hardest things in the world. And I think, again, it shows us that we are not meant to live like this. We're not meant to live in this nuclear family. So we're sending so much love and compassion to you if you have recently had illness and perhaps your little ones too. And that is just so, so hard. I remember that when my kids were younger being one of the hardest things. Yeah. That's the thing I used to say. It's the one thing I missed before becoming a parent, that when I was sick, I could just be sick. Whereas when I was a mother, I was sick and still doing all the things that I was doing as a mother and that never felt great. And that can feel really frustrating. And yeah, I agree with you. It really highlights the lack of support and community that we all need you know, in the family unit, for sure, it can be really big. And I think it's it's important to, you know, just state there are many reasons for illnesses, you know, where we just want to be clear, you know, holding on to feelings or, or other things are just one element of it. There's many, many different things that go on with our beautiful, complex, incredible bodies. Uh, but I think it's it's a beautiful thing as a parent when our kids are sick to maybe look at it through that lens. Is there something that they're expressing or using this opportunity to get out? Is their body body holding onto something that it's releasing? And often when our children are sick, what they want is comfort and closeness and connection. And sometimes even though it's very inconvenient when we're trying to you know do life, our children ask us sometimes to slow down and come in really close and be really still. I mean, I have so many memories of my little ones when they were bubbers or toddlers when they'd get sick and really you couldn't do anything all day except lay on the couch with them because they just wanted to be on you and that beautiful skin on skin and close cut touching and and as much as they were unwell there was something quite beautiful about those times where it was just how many episodes of Bob the Builder are we going to watch today <laughs> which is sometimes what I would do with my son when he was really unwell we just I was like I have to let everything go and just be here with him in those moments while his body's doing what what it needs to do and and they're, they're challenging times as parents when we still got all the balls in the air and our little ones are needing us to be really close and attuned to them while they're unwell and it can absolutely bring up lots of fear as a parent as well around is my child 
really sick or are they are they going to be okay and and that's that's a huge thing as well for us as parents um to you know to trust our gut and instinct of when our children might need some more support physically of of you know being able to be present with them it can feel really scary for many parents particularly if we have had our own stories and imprints of being unwell and it and not being safe or unwell or perhaps if our babies were really unwell when they were born it can bring up lots of fear when our children do get sick it can tap us into some bigger stuff Mm, which is why, as always, in web parenting, as we say every every other sentence, it's so important to get support. So in whatever way that can be, and that might even be leaving voice messages for your empathy buddy or friend just to say, oh, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed or this is so hard or can you bring around some soup? Like to really have that as a, as a core, like whatever you can do to get to increase your levels of support whilst your family's sick or whilst you're sick. It's so mm. important. Yeah, I, I'm as we're talking, I'm remembering a story when my youngest was probably about two years of age. And, um, and you know, if you've heard our podcast, we had a really challenging birth experience, and you know, we were separated, and she spent the first few days of her life in a coma, and it was a huge, huge story. And it was around about when she was about to turn two and um, we'd had this day planned. We were all going to go to the fun park and water slides and everything. And the morning we were going with a whole lot of family, she woke up and started vomiting and I was like, okay, it looks like I'm not going. So I just stayed at home with her. And all day she was vomiting. What was interesting as a two-year-old, she kept trying to do this thing where she would almost put her hand like near her mouth and it's like she was trying to pull something out and she was saying things like get it out get it out and whether she was talking about the vomit it was like she was trying to pull something out of her mouth and I remember just watching and observing her and there was a lot of distress for her and I kept having this feeling of oh man I feel like she's gone back to her birth where she was intubated you know she had a, a tube down her throat and at this moment, her body was just trying to release what was going on there. Now, that was just my intuitive feeling as I'm watching her vomit and and she kept then doing this action with her hand, get it out. And, and I just kept saying to her, I'm with you and you're doing a good job. And I was just loving on her and listening and she was crying and, and vomiting and all that kind of stuff that's really tricky. But I remember just having this feeling in my body of like, oh, wow, I feel like she's moving something here, something bigger than just this tummy bug that lasted for, you know, 10, 12 hours. Uh, it was a really instinctive feeling of like I just got there's something else shifting here that what's her body's doing. It was really, really interesting to just watch and observe, you know, how clever the body is and sometimes how it holds on to stuff and then lets it go when the time's right. Yes, and it's often in really similar ways, isn't it? I often find that that in terms of like the physical symptoms, as you're talking about the throat, you know, and even the words we might use. And I know this isn't aware parenting, but you know, the way I work with people, and that might be, you know, it really, it really hurts to talk, and that literally, it really hurts to talk. Like where, where in your life did it really hurt to talk? And the the absolute wisdom of the body. I think one thing that often comes up for parents is, is this question, if my child is sick and they are crying, what's the thing to do here? Do I, do I stop the crying? Do I, you know, give them lots of, um, I don't know, whatever it is, screens or chocolate, or if they're breastfeeding, lots of, lots of boob, do I suppress the feelings or do I listen to them? And what I tend to think here is that it's such a personal choice that for each parent to, to make that choice themselves. And I often think that relates to how we are when we're sick. Like, so if you feel uncomfortable in your body, do you tend to prefer to 
um, yeah, to be on your screen or to read a book or, you know, to suppress the feelings and maybe afterwards to, to share about it and to express the feelings later on? Or do you prefer when, when you're sick to just, you know, to get in there and to cry and to, to get into the symptoms and the sensations and feel them all and, and express it all? And I think it really depends as well on, you know, our personal style as to whether then we actually feel comfortable to do that with our children. And I love what you're saying there is the beautiful thing is that it's never too late to listen. So if if your little ones are well and you just want to keep feeding them, then that's okay. And then when they feel better, then if there is feelings there, then you can listen to them then. Like, you know, I think it's important to really trust yourself and to to go with what feels okay for you and you know your child better than anyone. I, I know for me that, um, you know, when I am sick, I, I move into this, right, I just want to numb myself for a bit. <laughs> so I might just have two or three days of like, I'm going to numb. And then when I start to feel a little bit better, I come out the other side and go, okay, what's going on here? Or how am I feeling? Or what's coming up? Or sometimes that doesn't work. The frustration and the rage or the hurt just pops up and you can't can't numb it and it's just there. But I think it's a really beautiful point is we just need to trust ourselves and our bodies and our children and of what feels right for us. You know, I think... I think it just always brings me back to this. Our bodies are so clever and we have such wisdom in our bodies and and the whole philosophy, I think, of children know what they need to do. And, and that's a big thing I've learned through illnesses way as well is often asking my children, what do you need from when they were old enough? Do you need water? Do you think you need some soup? Do you need like just asking them what it is that they wanted, even with their bodies? You know, my kids grew up having acupuncture and osteopathy and and, you know, and then sometimes we'd go to the doctor and I so I'd often say to them, what do you think your body needs? And sometimes they'd be like, I need an osteo treatment or I need this or I need that. And I really trusted their wisdom of what they needed, um, that they knew what they need to come back into balance. And then sometimes it would be like, oh, I think we're going to try this or, but it, always giving them or leaning into, you know, their unique wisdom and trusting that was important for me. Mm, absolutely. So important, isn't it? And I think the other thing to really bear in mind is I really like to share with parents is often when there's physical symptoms as well, that children and particularly the younger they are, they will also tend to feel all kinds of other things like, you know, a baby who's, who's teething or, or has got, you know, a sniffly nose or something. They don't know, oh, I'm teething or I've got a sniffly nose. They feel these uncomfortable sensations and they might feel confused or overwhelmed or scared or frustrated so again it's really normal and natural for them to also have extra feelings not only uh, the physical feelings which may themselves have come from emotions in the first place so what I find really helpful to remember in and walking with parents for many years with this is that so often parents will do a lot of suppressing so that might be you know breastfeeding a lot or lots of screens or lots of snacks or whatever it is but to remember that if you do choose to do that that once your child is feeling physically well again there's probably going to be a whole lot of accumulated feelings there and of course you know whether or not you have the capacity or willingness to listen but if you don't it's likely that whatever you were doing or they were needing to do a lot will continue so if they were you know breastfeeding like a bazillion times or just wanting to be on screens all the time or eating loads of chocolate biscuits or whatever it was it's likely they're going to keep on wanting to do that because all of those feelings that were bubbling up when they were feeling unwell are still sitting there so often that's a really great opportunity if you haven't felt the call to listen whilst they were 
feeling unwell is to really know that often that's when things can get quite tricky and it can be really helpful to find in ourselves and again with lots of loving support the, that willingness to to ramp up the listening so that they can have some some big expressions of feelings and let those out to share about the confusion and the overwhelm and, and all the things like that otherwise yeah things things can tend to kind of get ramp up more and more and more until it's just like it's on all the time I I so remember that like when my babies were little maybe and they're unwell and I just kept going breast milk's amazing and I just kept feeding and feeding them and and even then probably when they didn't need it you're right when they're better then they're like oh hang on let's go back to feeding like a newborn (laughs) and I'm like I don't know if this is working for me anymore um and so I absolutely relate to that I remember that with my middle daughter for sure you know one time she was unwell and I just kept feeding it which was probably amazing right for her body I mean breast milk is incredible but I was probably then overfeeding her and that's what she wanted. And we just kind of kept it going until I thought, actually, that doesn't feel so right anymore. And so I then stopped and just listened to, you know, her a little bit and, you know, then we, I could begin to see the shift within it. So, yeah, I really, I, I absolutely relate to what that what that looks like for sure. And, and it comes back again to sometimes it's, as parents, when we've got, you know, a few children and one of them sick, it's we're doing whatever we can do just to get through the day sometimes. Like there's no right or wrong within this. It's just being kind and compassionate to ourselves and then and then maybe going, okay, wh- where are we at now and where do I want it to be or is there something that my little one's holding on to and I need to listen more towards or do I need to set a limit around something because that's, you know, now they think that they just watch six hours of Bluey all day. Um, do I need to set a limit on that? and listen to some feelings around it so it is it's a delicate dance right it's a delicate dance and we're all doing the best we can it can just feel incredibly full-on you know when our kids are sick and when especially when we don't have the support networks around us it's really big so huge isn't it I think the other thing I'd love to mention as well is, is the relationship between uh, or accumulated feelings and how we experience like physical things that, like, you know, when you're, you're feeling calm and relaxed and the feel of the joys of spring and maybe you're like walking to a chair or something like that and it, and it might be like, oh, ouch, that really hurts. But if you're feeling really frustrated and agitated and you walk into a chair and it's like, ah, that really hurts. <laughs> and I've certainly found the same with things like teething, for example, that babies who get to express more feelings in loving arms seem to go through the teething process much more smoothly. And yes, there's still, as you talked about so beautifully, those beautiful attachments for the clinging and so on. They might have a bit of fever, they might have red cheeks, but often um again because sickness can be this time of, of uh, lowered capacity to to repress feelings it is often an opportunity to catch up on crying so if you do find that your child like even if you're doing whatever you can to suppress the things they're just crying a lot when they're sick that might be you know it might be really trusting that they're also this is an opportunity for them to catch up on some feelings that maybe they've been holding within and it's interesting because i think as a culture we because our culture is not really very comfortable with tears and crying that if a child falls over and hurts themselves or they're unwell we're a lot more accepting of their tears as opposed to just in general you know and I'm talking from a bit of a kind of behaviorism view lens that you know you shouldn't cry and don't be upset those kind of things is what we're often um, given as a message yet if you fall over oh it's okay you hurt yourself so that that's that's a valid reason to cry whether just crying because you're upset because someone took your ball or you know your brother you know punched you or something like 
like that, well, then it's fine. Don't worry about it. But it, it often is seen as a more acceptable way of having those feelings that sometimes kids do. And so I have noticed that with some clients I've worked with that often children will hurt themselves a lot. They'll fall over a lot. They'll hurt themselves a lot because on some level they go, oh, maybe that's the way I can release some feelings if it, if it doesn't feel safe enough, sometimes in the family unit or wherever they are to let those feelings out. And so sometimes their bodies, they'll fall over or hurt themselves because it's a way of trying to get those feelings out. Sometimes that can happen. Yes, and so if that is happening with your child, that might be something to observe and you know, see if there's anything that you might want to change about that or become more comfortable with mm. crying because of upset feelings and how normal yeah. it is. And yeah. I don't know about you, Lan, I'm sure you have worked with adults who've had that kind of scenario happen and then they found actually that then they ended up getting sick more often or even pretending that they were sick or you know to, to miss a day of school so that they can actually be at home and lie in bed and cry and and actually get listened to so of course we don't really want that for our children so it can be really helpful to to understand it is really normal and natural for every child to have a lot of big feelings mm-hmm. unrelated to anything physical I think even you know, mm-hmm. as you say in our culture that so often babies are said to have colic if they're crying a lot rather than you know have they had a, a really traumatic birth do they have lots mm-hmm. And again, I'm not saying all diagnoses of colic are caused by are actually feelings and birth trauma, but you know, let's be curious about this. Mm. We are perceiving children's feelings and babies' feelings and adults' feelings as well. Mm. It's making me think about. I saw this meme. I don't know, maybe a few weeks ago, a meme like a little video, and it was this little um, child who was maybe I reckon 18 months, two years old, and there was a cupboard or something, and that it's like they were stuck I in the cupboard. Did you that. see this? Like, and the and the cupboard's like pushing up against their head or something, yeah. and they're crying, and the parent goes over and just opens the cupboard as if to say, "You don't need to be hurt." And then the child gets the cupboard and closes it on themselves again and cries. And I was like, "Oh." look at that clever little being going I've got some whole feelings stuck in here and I'm going to let them out and I'm going to use this as my thing to let them out even though it it doesn't need to hurt me but I'm doing like I just was looking at it going oh I think that would be really misunderstood by a lot of people as what are you doing and that's crazy but actually the little one was like I'm using this because I want to let some feelings out here yeah it was uh, stuck in my mind so clear wasn't it like they're, they're so wise they're so wise aren't they I'm then thinking actually it's a little bit off topic but perhaps not is that some children may end up then doing things like headbutting and of course it's really important at times like this to actually offer a loving limit so we really you know to say I am not willing for you to do that sweetheart and I'm right here and I'm listening so to actually stop the behavior to listen to the underlying feelings so that's also can be really important and again can can show up quite commonly for children mm. Mm. it's really um i think you know as i was mentioning before it can be really confronting as a parent when our kids are unwell and it can feel really scary and as you mentioned it's why it can be so important to have like a listening partner or someone to just go to when you're feeling unsure i, I know for me the times when my kids have been sick and i've been in this are they really okay or not i will call my friend and go okay i'm just feeling all my fear here and and she was beautiful. She, she, you know, my dear friend who has been my listening partner for a long time, she had a son who was disabled. And so um, she knew illness so well, right? And so she was always so hyper aware of, you know, where the edges were with with, um, with sickness. And so she was a great support to me because she would say things like, okay, so just check in half an hour. 
you know, how, how are they going? Is it the same? Is it different? Is it worse? And then maybe make a call from there. And, and that helped a lot whenever I felt really worried. I would sometimes ring here and go, oh, this is what I'm seeing and this is what I'm feeling and, and you know, this is my fear or those kind of things. And it was really beneficial just to have somebody to bounce that off um, to then she would then go, well, maybe you should go to the doctor or maybe go and find that and see what it is because it's sometimes hard to really trust, you know, what our, our kids' bodies are doing and, of course, we want them to be okay. And, you know, there is always that deeper underlying fear there that maybe there's something really wrong and that's what we don't want and we don't want our children to be in pain. And, and it can feel really huge holding that as a parent. It really can be some of the most stressful experiences of parenting when our children are really, really unwell. So I think it's that, that's why, again, we all need more support and, and to have a bit of those check-in places so that when we are concerned, we can go, yep, actually, this is what I, I need to do now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really big. It's big. So big. And especially if we've had maybe uh, as children, like either you know, severe illnesses or perhaps you know, medical interventions or things like that as well. So again, as uh, the wise psyches, they, we may start to feel those feelings from that time then. So again, it's so important to know that it's really normal and natural for big feelings to show up. And basically, we really need as much listening as we possibly can at these kinds of times. Mm-hmm. The other thing is to say, too, that um, we've talked about this in other episodes, like the attachment play one, that if your child does need to um, go to the osteopath or the doctor whoever it is that you can always do attachment play to prepare them and you can always do attachment play afterwards and that's what one of the things we love about aware parenting and and would love for all people that ever have anything to do with children to understand that we really don't need to coerce children um, to do things that we can use play to support them in actually being more willing to um, you know to go through whatever the procedure is and we can support them in healing from that afterwards and there's lots of lovely games we can play even like paraversal games and role play where perhaps if um i don't know you know dressing up they get to dress up as the doctor and we pretend to be the patient we lie down and they do funny things to us and we make funny beeping noises and they laugh and they get to release how they felt and the feelings that they felt during that procedure so again mm-hmm. There's all healing can always happen at any time. And that, as we always talk about, that might be, it might be at the time, it might be straight after, it might be two weeks later, it might be three years later, it might be 10 years later, but you know, healing can always happen. So if your child has gone through any kind of uh, severe or even medium-sized illness or small one, you know, you can always heal from it later on. You really can. So true. I, I think that's such a pivotal point too. If your child does have to go and have an operation or something happening and we're fe- feeling in a lot of fear, uh, you know, our children will often pick up on that. And so it's really important as much as we do play and prepare them beforehand. And that's where information can be really powerful, talking them through what's going to happen. But we need that listening time for our fear as well. So because the, the the more anchored we can be when we go to the doctors or the hospital, then our children will feel, okay, you know, mum or dad's got this and this feels okay. I don't need to feel scared. So our children can often tune into us as well. So having that listening time, it's really making me think my beautiful friend who was my listening partner, um, her lovely son had to have a few operations in his life and, and they were pretty big operations. And so I would often go along with with my friends, um, a beautiful couple, just to be their support person when he was having an operation. So I would bring food and snacks and I would just come and sit with them just to be there 
so that if they needed to go for a walk and they need to have a cry, I could just hold space for them to do that. And I used to, we did that quite a few times. It was often bizarre when we'd take him in to have the anesthetic and the doctor's sitting there going, okay, like who, what is this configuration? If they'd be like, this is my wife, that's my husband. And I'm like, and I'm Lael. And they'd be like, okay, <laughs> we'd just be there to support them. But it was really powerful. I know my friend Rach talks about that. It was powerful for them to feel held so that they could hold the space for their son um, as he was going through that. So I think we can never underestimate how powerful support is. If our child needs to go and have something done and we feel really worried about it, it's really powerful to talk to someone about it beforehand, get your feelings out. We'll talk about your fears and your worries so that you can feel as anchored as possible for your child when you're doing it. It can, it can be a really big thing. So can. And I'm thinking, especially too, if you had one or both parents who were quite anxious around, around, you know, accidents and things like that. And if you, we often internalize that. So perhaps you might notice that you get really uh, scared really quickly. Mm. Again, having someone not only for listening and support, but actually someone who's calm and relaxed Mm. around us Mm. when we perhaps going in more into that oh you know I'm Mm. really scared here it's so important to have someone who isn't who isn't scared who's calm who's looking at you and saying I'm right here with you sweet it's okay yeah like you like we've talked about before on the podcast about how you've had your um big fears around the dentist Marion and and my husband's had a lot of dental trauma in his life and he had to go and have something done maybe a month or two ago and I was away like I wasn't here and so my 19 year old daughter took him to be the support and so she took him to the dentist and held his hand and talked him through relaxing and and my husband was like she was amazing like she was she was the support person for him um just to help him feel really calm because you know as a grown man he still has got stuff there that he's working through he's much much better but I just I love that she then played that role for him to be the support person for him but <laughs> It was uh I thought it was great so, mm. so beautiful isn't it mm. I just I'm I think we're just about finished I just wanted to say a couple more things um what I really discovered through my recent experience of physical symptoms is that I had I just gone a little bit away from being present I reading all the things that are going on in the world and I'd just started ramping up more and more of my control patterns or my ways to suppress feelings and because of the physical discomfort I really 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 needed to be present every moment in my in my body and with what I was experiencing and do all the inner work and when I came out of it I felt so incredibly present I remember I had sessions that you know so I've been had this for a whole week had a full day of sessions afterwards and I was like oh my gosh I'm so present and what I realized was that was one of the gifts of this experience and what I love to do is um, to actually say to myself that okay so I'm really willing to keep supporting myself to stay deeply present so I do not need to get sick to invite that to happen and I know a lot of people say that around rest a lot of people who do not rest or do not um you know take time not take time but you know have rests and lie down and things like that and that often sickness can be a way to do that but so much more enjoyable to rest without needing to get sick so again I often find it really (laughs) helpful to go okay what is this bringing what are the gifts and other ways that you are willing to receive those gifts without needing to go through the sickness and uncomfortableness part oh I hear you I have my own story about breaking my ankle when I was oh this was maybe like 12 years ago I had a two-year-old at the time who used to run down the street and I was on crutches and I couldn't catch her. It was like not ideal. Uh, but the exact same thing happened. I, I broke my ankle. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I 
couldn't wait there. I couldn't make dinner. I couldn't do anything. And it was such a lesson on asking for support and receiving support. I was, you know, so the I'll do everything and keep going. And I just was like, no, I had to, I had to receive. I had to allow people to support me. And it was full on. And and I really got the lesson from that because I was, I just literally couldn't do anything. And I was like, okay, I just have to be here. And, you know, I realized looking back, I was just so in the keep on going and not having the balance and not taking time for myself and not asking. And I literally was just wiped out. I couldn't do anything but do that. And that was, um, yeah, it was a beautiful reminder of, okay, how can we do this without hurting ourselves? And that was, it was a big catalyst for change in my life of actually going, you know what, this is not sustainable and I do need support and I am going to take more time for myself so that I don't have to get sick in order to do it. So that was, was a big one for me. So really, I really get what you're saying. So powerful, isn't it? And you know me in language, this is not aware parenting, but even the word you used there when you said oh, that, that I couldn't um, wait, there's, couldn't do weight bearing. It's like, mm. well, yes, you've been bearing all that weight and you couldn't do really? it. Anymore. Yep. Very powerful. Yep. Yep. And that's the thing. We don't, we don't want our bodies to break down to get these lessons, do we sometimes? And that there's a real testament to, you know, being attuned to ourselves and having slow and having some listening time, all those kind of things. So we can catch these things as they're bubbling so that they don't have to explode. Is that saying if you listen to the whispers, you don't have to hear the shouts or however, I've probably just butchered that quote. But anyway, you know what I mean? It's better off to hear and go, oh, there's something in that than waiting for it to just kind of whop you on the side of the head. And you're like, oh, okay, that's where we are. Yes. And again, it comes back to where parenting, what we talk about, don't we? And, you know, if we can listen to feelings like little and often, they're less likely to then bubble up to the huge, massive explosions, like mm-hmm. in the supermarket, whatever. But, you know, either way, it's still the, the wisdom of the body and the psyche that mm-hmm. it, will, you know, it, it will all find a way out. It will, will find a way through and just so much more enjoyable that that happens in easier and more comfortable ways. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, I totally, I absolutely get that. I agree 100%. Yes, here's to healthy bodies. Here's to healthy and vibrant and vital bodies and feeling good and um, listening. Mm. We are so winning for that for all of us, all of Mm. you, all of us, all of everyone. (laughs) Yes, totally, totally. Uh, What would you like to offer people around this topic, around illness and healing? I am wondering if you have, well, I wonder how you have felt as you've been listening. And I wonder if you have a memory perhaps of when you were little, uh, you were a little person, perhaps you had some kind of illness or sickness or physical discomfort. And I wonder how you were responded to in your family of origin. And I wonder what you would have really, really, really wanted. What would you have really loved to have received? And in some way, can you give that to yourself and does that also support you in seeing what your child or children might enjoy to have when they're not feeling so well? Mm, That's good. I would say, yeah, if we're talking about these little whispers right now, instead of the big shouts, is there a little whisper going on in your life right now that you're like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine uh, that you're not listening to. What would happen if you actually paused and just listened to that and see what it's got to tell you so that it doesn't have to move into a big noise? I wonder if there's something there. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yay. Beautiful. 
What about offerings, Leon? Now, as you said at the beginning, you've got lots of lovely, wonderful new things. Oh, yes. Tonight, haven't you? I've well, got so I've got a, a masterclass going on, which is kind of time sensitive, which is over these next two weeks. So depending on when we put this out there, but um, I will have recordings available that people can purchase after. So some new courses I've got on teens and our stories, and I've got one on big feelings, and I've got one around education. So compassionate and connected classrooms, which is all about bringing a lot more awareness into our education system. And I've got one on anger and boundaries and yeah just some stuff brewing along yes what about you Marion well I am very excited I'm now the regional coordinator for Australia and New Zealand in aware parenting so I've been busily making some new website pages so if you come along to my website if you are in Australia and New Zealand and you want to get certified as an aware parenting instructor I would love to support you with that so come along and have a look and I've also made a page where I got a picture of all the instructors in aware in, in aware in Australia and New Zealand and have, we've we put some blurb about what each one loves to you know who they love working with and what they love so um, I invite you particularly if you're in Australia and New Zealand, but if you're in anywhere in the world, come and have a look at that or come and have a look at Aletha's website as well, which is awareparenting.com. There are so many amazing aware parenting instructors in the world and I would love for you know everyone to get to know all of them because they're all yummy. Amazing. Oh, my God, there's one more thing. We've got a little birthday party on Saturday. Oh, my remember? God. <laughs> We've got like a 100th episode little celebration. So if we better put this podcast out today. Uh, so if you listen and you want to join us on saturday the 2nd of july i think australian eastern standard time in the afternoon um there's a link on our socials so you can have a look come and join us and we'd love to hear about your aware parenting journey and the podcast and you can ask us some questions and yeah it'll be really lovely so if anyone wants to join us we'd love to see you there bring cake and a hat yes (laughs) not really <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, thank you everybody for being here and and you know, thanks for sharing so much of our podcast. It's just been so awesome that we have been ranking really highly just even though it can change each week. It's been pretty brilliant to see that we've had so many people listening to what we're talking about. So, thank you for for sharing the love. We so appreciate it. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you so much and so much love to you. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.